Thank you. I'm going to ask Angela to come up right at the beginning here and uh, lead us. You can see from your paper that we're, we've got a responsive prayer here. I guess it's here too. <laughs> okay. You can just read the, the dark lines. And okay. Then can... Blessed are you, God of Israel, forever and ever. For yours is the greatness, the power, the glory, the splendor, and the majesty. Everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. Riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might. Yours it is to give power and strength to all. And now we give you thanks, our God, and, and praise your glorious name. For all things come from you, and, and of your own have we given you. Thank you. This morning, uh, we want to... Uh, Henny, come on up and read here. I'm getting everybody else to do this for me. Jim's talking about gratitude, and um, this Christmas we saw a quote from G.K. Chesterton on Santa Claus. What has happened to me has been the very reverse of what appears to be the experience of most of my friends. Instead of dwindling to a point, Santa Claus has grown larger and larger in my life until he fills almost the whole of it. It happened this way. As a child, I was faced with a phenomenon requiring explanation. I hung up at the end of my bed an empty stocking, which in the morning was a full stocking. I had done nothing to produce the things that filled it. I had not worked for them or helped to make them. I had not even been good, far from it. And the explanation was that a certain being whom people call Santa Claus, was benevolently disposed toward me. What we believed was that a certain benevolent agency did give us these toys for nothing. And as I say, I believe it still. I have merely extended the idea. Then I only wondered who put the toys in the stocking. Now I wonder who put the stocking by the bed and the bed in the room and the room in the house and the house on the planet and the great planet in the void. Once I only thanked Santa Claus for a few dollars and crackers. Now I thank him for stars and street faces and wine and the great sea. Once I thought it delightful and astonishing to find a present so big that it only went halfway into the stocking. Now I'm delighted and astonished every morning to find a present so big that it takes two stockings to hold it and then leaves a great deal on the outside. It's large, it's the large and preposterous present of myself as to the origin of which I can offer no explanation except that Santa gave it to me in a fit of peculiarly fantastic goodwill. So this morning we want to join Mr. Chesterton in the realization that all we have is given to us. Oh, by the way, uh, sometime along the way I might ask you to write something. If you don't have a pen, 
Uh, I've got a whole bunch of them right here, so if you make yourself known, I'll ask my wife to, to make sure you get one. And uh, you can leave them on the table in the back or something when you're, when you're done. I don't carry a pen, so I assume that a few people like, uh, are like me out there. In Psalm 43, we pray, Bring my soul out of prison that I may give thanks. This reveals the truth that when we can't give thanks, we are locked up inside. We are blocked from the inner freedom that makes an appropriate response to God's incredible generosity. We, every evening, the Book of Common Prayer has us pray as our evening prayer rises before you, O God, so may your mercy come down and cleanse our hearts to set us free to sing your praise now and forever. There's a close relation, of course, between praise and thanksgiving, and in order to give thanks, either thanks or praise, we must be free inside. And during this session, we will be seeking the freedom to be deeply and sincerely thankful knowing that we enter his gates with thanksgiving and we come before him with songs of praise, we long for that freedom. How do we get there if not through asking God? Let's begin then by begging God for a grateful heart with George Herbert, who begins this poem by calling himself a beggar. Thou hast given so much to me. Give one thing more, a grateful heart. See how thy beggar works on thee by art. He makes thy gifts occasion more and says, If he in this be crossed, all thou hast given him heretofore is lost. But thou didst reckon, when at first thy word our hearts and hands did crave, what it would come to at the worst to save. Perpetual knockings at thy door, tears sullying thy transparent rooms, gift upon gift, much would have more, and comes. This notwithstanding, thou wentst on, and didst allow us all our noise. Nay, thou hast made a sigh and a groan thy joys. Not that thou hast not still above much better tunes than groans can make, but that these country airs thy love did take. Wherefore, I cry and cry again, and in no quiet canst thou be till I a thankful heart obtain of thee. Not thankful when it pleases me, as if thy blessings had spare days, but such a heart whose pulse may be thy praise.
the truth is, I'm standing out up here without any knowledge that can make any of us thankful. The only teacher of gratitude, I believe, is an awareness of our deep down emptiness, which opens the door to acknowledging the only source of filling that em emptiness. I think it's significant that in Matthew's gospel, Jesus starts his public ministry by saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And with those words, he invites us into the kingdom through the door of, of the awareness of our need, which he calls poverty of spirit. I'd like to ask you in a few words, a phrase, a short sentence, whatever comes to mind when you hear the words kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven, paraphrase uh, in, in just a, a few words right there on your sheet of paper. I'll give you a minute or so to do that and then we'll ask you to share what you've written. Let's just hear a few thoughts uh, from, from you. We won't be able to ask everyone their response, but please do volunteer, a couple of you. Kingdom of heaven. Yes. Beautiful. The presence of God. Beautiful. Another one. Things being set right. Ah, say it a little louder, John. Things being set right. Things being set right. Hmm. One more. Eternal home. Eternal home. Beautiful. So many beautiful expressions of the same thing. Thank you for those. Jesus is telling us that this poverty is the most blessed place because it's the door to the eternal kingdom which you've just described. It's the birthplace of the spirit of man into God, the realization that in him we are the co-owners of every created thing. With poverty of spirit, we are the prodigal come home at last. And because we realize who we really are in our weakness, we can finally thank the one who gave us everything. I believe the Holy Spirit is always inviting us into poverty of spirit. But more often than not, the invitation comes through suffering. So that this poverty can give us ownership of the kingdom 
Cohen, excuse me, so that this poverty that gives us ownership of the kingdom coincides with our, our, our arrival at the end of all our resources. It is the last straw that bakes, breaks the back of our self-reliance. It is when we've come to realize that we have no real control to sustain or to improve our lives. The bootstraps by which we lifted ourselves have snapped. The sum of our resources have failed us. Our intelligence, our powers of organization, our imaginations, our bodily strength, and our sexual prowess have fallen short of getting us what we thought we wanted because when we got it, we were not satisfied. We are Lazarus, whose our wounds licked by the dogs at the rich man's gate. It is there at the gate that we realize that we have nothing more to lose. So we may as well own up to the, to the addictions into which we have fallen in our quest for happiness and to admit our failure and find the satisfaction and happiness in our failure to find the satisfaction and happiness in the life we thought we owned. An example of this realization of weakness, I think, comes to Paul when his prayers go unanswered. Instead, he hears these words from Christ, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And Paul's response can also be ours. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest on me. It seems as if most deep spiritual understanding is given to us in paradox and finding our ownership of the kingdom in the awareness of our spiritual poverty is no exception. I'm going to ask uh, my wife once again uh, to read this selection from Jacques Philippe. I am what I am in God's eyes, a poor child who possesses absolutely nothing, who receives everything, infinitely loved and totally free. I have received everything in advance from the freely bestowed love of my father who said to me definitively, all that is mine is yours. Our treasure is not the kind that moths or worms can devour. It is in heaven, in God's hands. It depends on God alone, his goodwill and unfailing goodness to us. Our identity has its source in the creative love of God who made us in his own image and destines us to live with him forever. Love is what remains when nothing remains. We all carry within us this memory when beyond our failures, our separations, the words that we survived, there arises from the depths of the night like a song that is barely audible, the assurance that beyond the disasters in our lives, even beyond joy, suffering, birth, death, there exists a space where nothing threatens, 
that nothing has ever threatened and runs no risk of destruction. An intact space that of the love that was the foundation of our being. <clears throat> so is there anything we can do to move toward poverty of spirit and the reception of the virtue of gratitude? Yes, I think so. There, here are two thoughts. We can accept suffering as a God-approved door to blessing and allow it to teach us to be honest with ourselves. This is accepting the invitation to take up our cross and follow Jesus. Secondly, we can become more aware of who we are in Christ by listening to him in silent prayer. My experience has been that we cannot make ourselves virtuous by any effort of our own or by any self-discipline. But it has also been said that God wants to enjoy, wants us to enjoy every virtue, even gratitude, and is standing ready to give it to us for the asking. And so we ask. But it, may not, but it may seem that nothing happens because God is not willing to give us any virtue without also giving, him, giving himself. We may be too preoccupied to listen to his assurances of love. Yet he is always saying to us, come to me with open hands and enjoy my loving presence, and you will begin to absorb my love and exhibit my qualities. You will begin to come, become like me. I'm not talking about some strenuous and difficult prayer discipline. I'm not talking, but what I'm talking about is the easiest kind of prayer. It could be called receptive prayer, centering prayer, listening prayer, or contemplative prayer. It's been called all those. Now, this is, this is the same, uh, this is the thing about silent listening prayer. At its best, it involves a two-way silence, and in the depth of that silence, we can know that the God, we can know the God of love experientially. This is the still small voice in which Elijah recognized God. In Psalm 46, God says, be still and know that I am God. When we join God in the primordial silence and stillness out of which he created us and the whole world, we can know the Father and his love in a new way. In John 17, Jesus says, this is eternal life, to know the Father. So let's take a few minutes right now and taste and see and be thankful. But since some of us are new to this practice, I'll ask you to follow some guidelines to help you settle into the experience. First of all, I want to say that this kind of prayer can bring up unexpected thoughts of our imperfect past. Be prepared to respond to those with the same attitude that God responds to the sins of our past. He is gentle and forgiving. <clears throat> <clears throat> 
He comforts us by saying, I have forgiven and forgotten those things. Be at peace and let them go. Recently, I said some rude things to my wife. And realizing my fault a few minutes later, I asked for for forgiveness and I got it. But inside, I was very down on myself. And I became silent and moody until God spoke to my heart and said, Jim, I died on the cross so that you don't have to be upset by these things. You are forgiven. Accept my free gift and enjoy my presence again. I miss you when you sink into yourself that way. And with such kind words, I was no longer able to beat myself up about my own sin. And this is the way God's kindness is always pouring out on us. But how hard it can be to love ourselves with the same tenderness that the Father loves us. So here are the guidelines, and do them as as I give them to you, if you will, please. Um, Sit straight and still with your feet on the ground, floor, and your hands open upward in your lap, or just folded in your lap is fine. Close your eyes and breathe slowly and naturally as if breathing in the Holy Spirit. Relax and imagine yourself giving up all control to God. Many find it helpful to repeat a word or phrase with each breath. And this morning, let's make that a simple thank you. Breathing in, the Spirit fills us. Breathing out, we say thank you. When thoughts and distractions come, and of course they will, simply observe them, neither clinging to them nor rejecting them, but quietly letting them go and returning to your thank you. Our letting go of all thought by which we would take control of our lives is our sacrifice in return for the ineffable love of God residing in his temple, which we are. With every letting go, we recenter on the risen Christ in us, the hope of glory. So let's begin. I'll time us. We'll take about seven minutes.
seemed so appropriate to have the angels singing while we were coming into the presence of God. This from Brennan Manning. The deeper we grow in the spirit of Christ, the poorer we become, the more we realize that everything in life is a gift. The tenor of our lives becomes one of humble and joyful thanksgiving. Awareness of our poverty and ineptitude causes us to rejoice in the gift of being called out of darkness and into his wondrous light and translated into the kingdom of God's beloved son. Up to now, we have been concentrating on thanksgiving to God, which is the basis of all other gratitude. But out of that gratitude, that gratefulness to God, we can draw a sincere thanks for those around us. They are the hearts and hands of God by which he shows his love to us so often, and so we want to thank them. You and I are thankful for many people in our lives but what person comes to mind right now? Someone who has given you most honestly and unselfishly. I'd like to ask you to just write a little um, <clears throat> little note to that person, telling them why, why it is that you're so thankful for that person. I'll just give you a couple minutes to do that. We had a shorter session here than we had thought, so we won't have quite the amount of time I had hoped for this.
Did you happen to write to somebody in this room what uh, would be beautiful to see is if if you did write to somebody in this room, you would uh, share what you wrote and uh, perhaps embarrass them a little bit. But uh, um, I don't know if I dare ask that. Is anybody bold enough to share what they've written to somebody else in this room? If any of us did write to somebody else in this room. I don't see people popping up. Oh, look at my wife is popping up. Dear Donna, I was deeply touched by your kind note to me after my surgery this summer. Thank you for offering kindness and friendship to me when you didn't even know me that well. I am blessed by you every time I see you. Thanks and love, Penny. I've been given the signal that we're, uh, we're about done here, but I hope through that demonstration you'll be inspired to share that, your own note with somebody personally. Pick up the phone, which now we carry with us these days, and, uh, and call that person or after church meet with them and just share what you've written. And risk the tears that might come. I'm going to finish up. I, uh, I'm going to dare to read you a poem I had written some years ago. If Joy Flows from Gratefulness is the title of it. If Joy Flows from Gratefulness, ask for that. And then the guidance to get there. No smooth road or descending. It climbs, steep, pain posting its miles, silence covering the way as clouds guard the secret of rain. It is simple, a smile may change the face, wonder encased, control released, like the opening of a cage or breaking of a line. With the flash of fins, the fish swims free. It's all in how you take. Forsake the things that come and go are yours for thanksgiving, gifted. All masochism aside, the receptors of pleasure, the receptors of pain arrayed, arrayed in their ranks, are the same. Give thanks. I think we'll end with that as we get ready for the next service. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm.